Well, welcome. Welcome to Life Church. It is so good to be here today. My name is Dylan Johnston, and I'm the youth pastor here. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, being a part of what God is doing here at Life Church on this weekend. Today, we are continuing our summer at Life Church, and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We'll, we'll be getting there in just a few minutes. Um, but, but as you're turning, I want to take a second, uh, and, and I like to do this every time I get up here because I think it's, it's, it's worth noting and, and worth taking a minute to do. Um, as you saw in that intro video, you see what God is doing in and across the greater Milwaukee area through Life Church. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And here at Life Church, we have two phenomenal pastors in Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy Cole. And I just think it's, it's worth it for us to take a moment and honor them. Could we just honor them and, and give them a, a hand clap? Their, their vision and their leadership and, and what, what God is doing in them and through them to lead Germantown, Brookfield, Milwaukee campus, Appleton campus, our online campus, and the campuses to come. I just believe that it, it, it doesn't happen without people in place leading the charge, and that's who Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy are, and so I am forever grateful for that and, and grateful to be on a team with leaders that, that love God, hear from God, and lead in that way. Uh, also, the past couple days, uh, my wife and I, we've uh, been celebrating. She, her birthday was yesterday, and so if you brought birthday presents, you can give them to me. She's not here. She's at another campus, but I'll take them. Tell her you said happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> But I, but I took my wife to see one of my favorite movies. Um, so I, one of my favorite movies of all time is Lion King, the OG, original. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hand clap of praise for Lion King. Um, it's an amazing movie. And there's moments in it where I remember uh, as I've grown up, I, I get to a point where, like, I, I, I've got an issue. I'll, I'll just be real. I've got an issue. When I watch movies as a preacher, every single thing I see and, like, watch, I'm always looking through a preacher's lens. And so I'm like, ooh, that'll preach. Like, that's good. And there's some moments in the original Lion King that I'm just like, oh, snap. I could go off on this. Like, this is good stuff. It could have been included in the original canon text, but it wasn't. But it was good. Like, there's moments... So, I, so my wife and I went Thursday night to see the movie, and I was so excited, so excited. Like, I had just watched the, the original Wednesday night, and so Thursday night we're going to see on opening night. I don't go to the movies often, so it's a big deal that we were there, especially on opening night, not a $5 Tuesday because I'm cheap. And so <laughs> we're there watching the, 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 the remake, and... Um, the previews are ending, and the, the movie's about to start. They're like, silence your cell phones, don't be a jerk, don't talk to everybody. And so they finally get done with all that stuff. And the first note of the movie hits, and immediately I get goosebumps all over my body. And, and tears begin to well up in my eyes. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. You think I'm joking? Some of you that know me, you're like, you don't have any feelings. You don't cry. Like, I get that, but there's specific things that, that, that I do cry about. One is Lion King. And like, the, no, the first note hits, tears well up in my eyes. I feel one just start streaking down my cheek. And uh, my wife leans over to me and she says, are, are you already crying? And I said, shut up. Let me enjoy the moment. <laughs> Hadn't even, like, literally just started. And so the rest of the movie, I was a blubbering mess. Um, 
Uh, but but it, it was that moment that as I was preparing for this, this weekend that I began to think about how if I were to live my life from that place of my feelings, um, I wouldn't be a very productive person, you know? Uh, if, if you were to take your um, emotionally high moments in life and that's how you lived your life, you, you wouldn't be the most beneficial member of society. Uh, for some of you, whether it's um, your, your, your favorite day in this world, if, that, if you took that emotion, that feeling, and that's how you felt every day, it just wouldn't correlate. It wouldn't connect. It wouldn't be beneficial. And, and I have conversations with students often regarding faith and regarding um, what, they're, what they're learning and what they're growing in, what the Bible says. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about something that God commands and I'll often get a response along the lines of, well, well I feel that this was applicable back then, but not necessarily now. Or, or, or I, I feel that this, this, you know, like this isn't what that actually says, but rather it's, it's saying something different. I, I, I feel that, or, or maybe it's, it's something like this. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk to students and they'll, I'll say, yeah, what do you want to do with your life? Like what, what's, what do you got going on? What's your hope? What's your dreams for the future? What's God speaking to you? And they're like, well, you know, in my heart, I just really feel that I'm supposed to do this. Or, 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 or maybe you've heard people talk about when they're, when they're discussing what to do and what you should do with your career. They're like, hey, just, just listen to your heart. Just go, just whatever you feel is right. Do that. Benefit society, love people, but do whatever feels good. Do whatever feels right. Live your truth. Do what's good. Let your heart be. But can I just be real with you for a second? Um, that's not biblically or theologically based in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, before you get to thinking that I'm hating on people that have feelings, listen, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I want to do today. But I do want us to take a look and take a moment and say, hey, this life isn't just about our feelings. If we were all to live by the emotional high of the goosebumps you get when Lion King starts because I'm not alone and you're all with me, we all get those same feelings. If we were all to live by that, we wouldn't really make an impact or do anything special in this world. But if we were all to live by the lowest of the lows and those feelings that we get in those moments, we also wouldn't be that beneficial. The Bible specifically says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? Like, that means the heart is a bigger liar than, than your ex. The heart is a bigger liar than those, those, those people on, on your news and media channels. The heart is a bigger liar than, than all of those things. That, that you yourself, your desires lie to you about what is best for you. Not just your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, what, what you want, what you think is right, what you desire. This is, this is like, if, if I were to live by my desires, I would daily visit pizza buffets. <laughs> you laugh. Like, you, you, you laugh. You think, oh, cute, that's funny. No, 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 like, I'm dead serious. When I go into a pizza buffet, I've got one mission. That's to make them go broke. I, when I was a child, I was a child, I was a chubby kid, mind you. When I was a child, I calculated it was about 36 pieces of pizza to, to, to break even at CC's Pizza. That was my goal. Did I hit it? Not often. Why? Because it, I felt gross. Um, 
but my emotions said today I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to come out victorious. They will not make money on me today. I, I was dead set that I was going to eat 36 pieces of pizza that day. If, that, if I lived by my feelings, that, that's where I'd be. If you live by your feelings, the it's, it's, it's like the couple that's in the heat of the moment that decides that it's okay to cross boundaries because it feels good. It's, it's pleasure filled. It's, it's that wanting the job, wanting the promotion, wanting that next step, not necessarily because God is leading that way. You don't, you've not even consulted him, but more so because that's what seems right, feels good. That's what would put more money in the pocket and allow you to provide more for your family. That sounds great on the outside. And yet when we really dig down deep into it, the question is, are we being led by our feelings? Because I, I, I think this is a key statement. Your feelings are a great gauge, but a terrible guide. Your emotions, your feelings, your desires, they're a great gauge, but a terrible guide. Your feelings reveal where your faith rests. It, it shows where you're lacking. It shows your desire for the fake and it helps you to refocus, but they are a terrible guide. Following them will lead you to make rash decisions. It will lead you to have faulty faith and incorrect view of God, eating way too much pizza at the pizza buffet, going way too far in that relationship and having a false sense of security in your life. Your feelings are meant to report to you, not dictate you. And I, I, I could take us down a winding path and, and show you how the Bible talks about feelings when they're good and they're directed, not directing you, but directed by your faith. But we don't have time for that today. I just want you to know your feelings aren't bad, but when you're led by them, it's, it's not a positive note. And I have, I have a saying that I've coined for people that are, are living their Christian life by their feelings. I call them goosebump Christians. I call it goosebump Christianity. You live life swayed by the wind. You love Jesus, but you know, you're gonna do what feels good in the end. You love Jesus, you're gonna to go to church, and when they play your special song, your hands go up. You know Jesus is there because it's your song, but if they don't play your song that day, no, 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 man, they didn't pray enough. They didn't hear from God that week because, man, they didn't play my song. The pastor gets up, he's talking about something that's really difficult and really hitting home in your heart, and you're like, hey, no, sir. He's not listening. God's not speaking because that's not what I'm feeling. And, and we get in this mode where it's all based on feelings. This is huge. I just got back from camp with students and they'd be like, oh my goodness, I just felt God tonight. I, I, I was crying and blubbering and I was a mess. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But like, you're going to go home next week and you're not going to feel God. What are you going to do? You're going to go home next week and you're going to be crying, but not because you're in an altar service, not because the worship's good, not because you have goosebumps in, at, at the front of the room. You're going to go home and you're going to be crying because something really difficult hits in your life. What are you going to do? And if it's all based on feelings, when those what are you going to do moments hit, you, you fall to pieces. You crumble and you end up going away you never intended to go. It's goosebump Christianity. And today I just want to take a look at the life of Paul, uh, writing in, in Philippians chapter 1. I believe that he gives us a contrast to goosebump Christianity, and he shows us what true gospel Christianity should look like in, in, in our lifestyles. And so here in Philippians chapter 1, we see that Paul is in prison. He, he'd been in prison before, and now he's in prison again. It, it's kind of the thing. Paul, if you were with us a few weeks ago, um, when I preached at the end of the message, I, I talked about how Paul wrote that he had lived in lack and he had lived in surplus, but he had learned that in the midst of each of them to live 
in contentment, to, to live content knowing that Christ had it under control. And, and so we see Paul here, not in surplus, but rather in the lack of prison. And he's in prison at home, like just confined to his own house. And here we see Paul writing about living this Christianity out in the midst of what, what wouldn't seem for all of us to feel that great. And so in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, it reads this, Paul's writing. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, I am in chains for Christ. Note how he writes that. Not because of Christ, not because of my faith, that he could have said that. He says, I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, in verse 14, he says, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, Paul, more than anything, in the midst of a trial and a difficult time, had a proper perspective. The first step for you to live out a gospel Christianity lifestyle is to have a proper perspective. He said, what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Listen, many of us, when we have difficult times, we go to the mindset of, it could be worse. It could be worse. Like, I could be dying. I, I could not have a car. I could not have a job. It, it could be worse. My kid could be like their kid. Their kid's crazy. Um, it, my, 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 my money situation, it's tight. Like, I, I'm having to really stretch this and work the spreadsheet and figure out where the money is and try to uncover some hidden gems and open some treasure chests. But, like, it's working. Like, it could be like that person. And we start comparing. And I just want you to be careful when you start comparing. Um, I, I've, there, I've heard this saying before, but if you compare and compete, you'll live in defeat. Because you'll always find someone who's worse than you, but you'll always find someone who's better than you. So you'll always find yourself not measuring up. Listen, it, it's not the worst mindset in the world to think, oh, it could be worse. It could be worse. And, and Paul could have had that mindset, oh, it could be worse. I'm in prison, but like, I could be dead. I could, be, I, I could be being tortured. I, it could be worse. It could be worse. Other people could be in prison. It could be worse. Yet Paul doesn't take that state of mind. No, no, no. He says, this is good. This has served to advance the gospel. Not only that, I am in prison, not just because of Christ, but for Christ. That this is actually one of the best possible outcomes. I'm in prison. His perspective is amazing to me. And yet how often in my life and in our lives do we ha have a difficult time and immediately our perspective goes to the dumps? You see, Paul could be wallowing in his sorrow, but instead he sees that his imprisonment is for Christ, which I, I just want to make a slight caveat. Find purpose in your prison. Find purpose in your prison. Whatever prison you may be walking through or find yourself in down the road, I promise you there's a purpose in it. You don't believe me? Look at Paul. His purpose was that because the prison he was in, the gospel was being advanced. Not only that, there were believers that were being emboldened and encouraged to live out a stronger faith. It, it would be as if Pastor Aaron was imprisoned and yet the believers at Life Church around the greater Milwaukee area had a stronger faith and were going out to Chili's and inviting their waitresses to work and going to UPS and inviting the people over there to come to church and they were seeing healings and signs and wonders and miracles all over the city and all over the community because their faith was built up. That's what Paul's saying, that, that, that other believers are even stronger in their faith because I'm here, so I'll, I'll just hang out. This is the proper perspective. 
find purpose in your prison. It's, it's what we see with Joseph in the Old Testament who went from being the favorite son to being enslaved to then being thrown into prison. And yet it was in the midst of prison that God prepared him to take a position of power in the palace so that he could lead the country through the famine to provision. Ooh, somebody that could preach. I just want you to know that if you feel like you're in the midst of a prison today and it feels shackled, just be careful, be wary, and be aware. God is working in the midst of it. Don't give up. Don't let up for God is at work. Have proper perspective. Second, we see here in this passage, consider Christ. Paul considers Christ. Philippians 1.18 says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. My ultimate goal, Paul says, is to bring glory and exaltation to God. My, my ultimate goal is to focus on Jesus. As the writer in Hebrews chapter 12 says, fixing my eyes, and eyes on Jesus, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition. <sighs> Friends. I love, I love Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one through three, because right there, the, the, the writer says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but a cross doesn't sound joyous to me, right? Like, can we just be real? Like watching the passion of the Christ, seeing that moment, it's not like, oh yeah, joy. No, 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 it seems sorrowful. It seems difficult. It seems hard. It seems painful. It seems really, 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 really strenuous, and yet, in that, this writer talks about the joy set before Jesus. And what I really think that the writer is trying to communicate to us there is that it's not necessarily that the cross in and of itself was joyous, but the outcome that would result from it would be the joy that Jesus is looking towards. That there would be people in Germantown at Life Church on a weekend service that would experience life change because of what he did on the cross, and that would bring him much joy. The joy set before him was to see those who were dead in Christ raised, those who were dead raised to life in Christ, that they may have life and have it to the full. It is to see people who were far from God brought in to the fold and brought into relationship with him, not because of anything they did, but because of what he was willing to endure on the cross. The, the ultimate joy was not, was, was not dying, but the life that would come to others because of the death that he would incur. You see, the joy that Jesus had was greater. And so when Paul, here in this prison, is looking to Christ, that's, that's ultimately what he's seeing is that there's a better way, there's a better thing, there's a better opportunity. I'm going to consider Christ in the midst of my difficulty. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that whether you eat or drink, do it all to bring glory to God. Essentially saying in your most basic, in your most elementary task, make sure that what you're doing is bringing glory to God. Listen, I don't know about you, but there's times I don't want to wake up for my nine to five. Uh, there, there, there's times where I just don't feel like waking up in the morning. There's times where I don't feel like going to work that day. And, there's, and, and if we're just being honest, we've all felt that way. And if you're doing it for you, I, I, 
just caution, there may be a burnout coming. But what I've noticed and what I've seen is when I'm talking to people that have been following Jesus for a considerable amount of time, that when they live their life, ultimately, for the glory of God, when their, their career is fixed so that it's to bring glory to God, that when their life is fixated on bringing glory to God, that when they consider Christ in their family and consider Christ in their job and consider Christ with their kids and consider Christ in their home and consider Christ out in public and consider Christ in their private life, that when they continually consider Christ, that even when they feel like giving up, the fire flickers back on. It's like for me, when working with students, sixth through 12th grade on Monday nights over at our Brookfield campus, Wednesday nights here at, at our Germantown campus, when working with them at youth camps and, 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 and mission trips and Puerto Rico that we're going to next week and serve and, and our, our serve camp in Milwaukee that we're doing in just a couple weeks. When doing all of this, there's times where I wonder, is anything, is anything happening? Is there a difference being made? Are students' lives being changed? There, there's times where it seems like nothing good is occurring. And yet I wake up that next morning with the fire flickering back to, to a full flame, knowing that I'm doing this for the glory of God. My encouragement to you is that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Consider Christ. Paul in prison is saying, hey, I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on him. Hey, whatever the reason is, as long as he's preached, I'm good. I will rejoice in, in, in the fact that he has been preached. I will fix my eyes on the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. I will eagerly expect and hope that I will have courage to continue, whether in life or in death, to live as Christ and to die as gain. No matter what, I will consider Christ. I think the ultimate test of whether or not we're living out goosebump Christianity or gospel Christianity is the answer to this question. Are you living for immediate satisfaction or for the eternal glorification of God? Are you living for immediate satisfaction or for the eternal glorification of God? The last thing I think we pull from Philippians chapter one is this cooperating community. If you don't want to live out a lifestyle of goosebump Christianity, cooperate in community. In, in verse 27, we pick it back up. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Another version says, stand firm in the unity of the spirit, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Listen, if we're going to live a lifestyle where, where we are truly encapsulated and, and, and wrapped up in the goodness and, and greatness of Jesus Christ, we must do it together. I, I don't know about you, but it's a lot, a lot more difficult to live a life led by my feelings, emotions, thoughts, and my own fleshly desires when I am wrapped up in a community of believers that are running and striving after the same goal. It's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more difficult when I am in the midst of a community of believers for me to say, ah, I just don't feel like it today. I just don't feel like going to church and then I get a text, hey, where are you? Hey, you said you were gonna be at church today. Yeah, but I'm just tired. And then my boss texts me, hey, you have to be here. This is your job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> but in Hebrews, 
Chapter 10, the writer says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Jesus Christ returning, approaching. Listen, I don't know about you, but when you're alone, your own desires, your own feelings, your own wants, your own passions, your own desires can easily win out. In community, it's a lot more difficult because in community, there's accountability. When you get in true community, not just like, oh, I'm going to show up a couple times a month, leave early, get there late. We're getting real testy here. Y'all are like, Dylan, you didn't see me come in that late in love. I saw you. No, no, no. When we get in real community, when we get in a life group, when we start doing life, when we go out to eat together, when we start bringing our families together, that's when, when, when things are getting difficult, when our feelings start to take over, that, that John can lean over and be like, hey, are you sure you want to do that? Are, are you sure that's beneficial for your life or for your family's life? Are you sure that in that dating relationship, it's wise for you and her to be out till two in the morning together? Just, I'm not judging, I'm just asking. Because you've now presented yourself in this community to me, in this life group, in this life we're living, following Jesus together. You, you've given me the opportunity to speak, so I'm going to do that. Are you sure you want to let those feelings win out? Because I know some people that have, and I can show you the pattern of their life that has, been, that has come from it. Are you sure you want to let your feelings win out? Or are you sure you just want to go for that job? Like, not that it's bad. Not that that job is bad, not that that pay raise is bad, not that that promotion is bad, but are you sure you want to pursue that? Are, are you sure you want to uproot your family, move across the country to start over with a brand new, are you sure that's what God is calling you? If so, cool, wonderful, God bless, let's pray. We're going to send you on your way. If not, hold your horses. Because I'm going to pray that God shuts the door quicker than you could ever open it. I'm going to pray that that door shuts in your face, and it may hurt you for a moment, but I know that if it's God, it's for the best that it shuts. It's when you get in community that you're able to go to a friend or another young adult and say, hey, listen, I'm, this is really crippling me right now. My job is just incredibly overwhelming and, and I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else, but this is where I am and I don't know what to do. What, how, how do I continue to remain faithful where I'm at and yet strive towards what God has for me later on? And it's in that that we're like, hey, we're gonna pray for you. We're gonna build you up. We're, we're gonna see how God uses you even in the midst of your, where, you, where you are somewhere that you don't feel like you're supposed to be anymore. We're, we're gonna see how God continues to use you to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. And you encourage. You see, some of you aren't, don't know this side of Christianity because you've not operated in community, but Paul's, one of Paul's big things here is, hey, stay in community, strive together. That's, striving is like, striving produces friction. And community is not always comfortable, but it's always beneficial when it's in Christ. Cooperate in community. I close with this. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen cardboard testimonies, but they're, they're super, super powerful and, 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 um, and really move me. I get the goosebumps when I see them. It gets me in my feels. And if you don't know what they are, it's just simply um, 
typically at churches, they'll do these testimonies. And instead of just someone telling their testimony to a camera, uh, people will come out on stage with a piece of cardboard. And on one side of the cardboard, it'll say something about their life, something they've been going through, something they've struggled with. So uh, for example, someone would come out with a piece of cardboard and it would say on one side, I'm addicted to drugs for 15 years. As there's music playing behind them, they would then at some point turn the piece of cardboard over and on the backside, it would write how God changed their life dramatically. And it would say something along the lines of free from drugs for the last six years and living a lifestyle worthy of being called a son or daughter of God. Someone else would come out and say, um, lost my, my husband uh, four years ago and thought my life was over only to turn it around and see that through following Jesus, I have life and life abundantly. My life has been renewed. My faith has been restored. And so over and over, they'll do these while, songs, while a song is playing. And it's a very powerful moment to see how God, just in a glimpse of text, changes people's lives. And there's this one that, to me, is one of the most powerful ones I've ever seen and heard about in my life. This lady comes out, and on her piece of cardboard, it says, diagnosed with, terminally, or with terminal cancer. Diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so you're waiting, and waiting for her to turn hers around, and yet she doesn't. Instead, a man comes out with a piece of cardboard that says, I was the doctor who diagnosed her. So then you would naturally expect it to go back to the lady, her to turn her piece of cardboard over and say, healed from terminal cancer, praise God, completely whole. But instead the man, the doctor turns his over and it said, through her faith in the midst of this illness, I came to know Jesus. goes back to her, she turns her cardboard over and it says two words, worth it. I don't know about you, that's community. That's that's not goosebump Christianity. For far less than that, I get down, I get emotional, I start being led by my own desires and my own wants and for my immediate satisfaction. Yet this lady, in the midst of a a, a fatal situation, says, no, I will rejoice and rejoice all the more gladly to the point where those who watch along and know the story will see the goodness of Jesus in my life. And even if I don't get my healing, it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't, know, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've endured. I don't know what your life story is like. But I do know that if you're living a gospel Christianity lifestyle, your life will impact someone else. And if you have the proper perspective, it'll all be worth it in the end. You may not get your healing. You may not get the promotion. You may not get the raise. Your kid may still be a hellion. And yet at the end of the day, if you are living with the proper perspective and following Jesus and your life is fixated on bringing him glory, then it is all worth it because in the end, other people's lives are being affected dramatically by yours. So the question is, how are we living? Are we being led by our feelings or led by our faith? Are we using our feelings as guides or using them as as gauges to help us guide what we truly desire and what we're truly wanting in that season? 
Goosebump Christianity calls out to our flesh and says to take the easy way, yet the gospel Christianity calls us to die to ourselves, calls us to remind ourselves that our desires, our wants, our hopes, and our dreams are not nearly as great as what God has for us. So let's give up and surrender ourselves in order to follow him more closely. You may be going through a tough time today. It may be difficult and your feelings, your emotions, your heart may be winning out. But I encourage you today, I encourage you, maintain proper perspective. Consider Christ in the midst of your predicament and remain in community. Keep coming back, keep investing, keep, keep connecting, keep participating as I believe that as you do, you will find strength and hope and joy that you can never find alone. Let's pray today. Lord, I love you and I thank you. I thank you that I don't have all the answers, God. That in my own strength, as, as the scripture talks about, my, my righteousness is but filthy rags. I, I can never achieve the, the goodness and greatness of what you've called me to do and yet I know through your grace, I have strength to continue. Lord, I ask that when our feelings start winning out, when we start giving way to our emotions, our own desires, and what our flesh is longing for, Lord, I ask that you would remind us of, of your son. Bring back to our memory Jesus as he took the road to Calvary. Help us to consider Christ bring you glory in and through all that we do. And God, let us not take the easy way out and disconnect from community, but that we would connect all the more in these times. And that as we do, we would spur one another towards you. We would encourage one another all the more as the day of you returning approaches. Lord, we love you, we celebrate you, and today we choose to live by faith and not by our feelings. We choose to live out gospel Christianity in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen and amen.